Welcome to the Vincennes First Church of God Sermon Podcast. My name is Will Huebner. I'm the lead pastor. And we're so thankful that you've decided to tune in and listen to us today. We hope that through this message and the Word of God, you will find not only that you are challenged, but that you are encouraged. Here at Vincent's First Church, we believe that it's our job to create kingdom culture. And we hope that you'll join us Sundays at 10 o'clock. We love you and enjoy. This morning we are continuing a, a series called The People of Christmas. Now, when I came here, one of the things that I did is I tried to shorten our service to an hour, and I really felt like people responded well towards the end of service. So, so I've almost been here for three years. So all that time that I've stored up, that I've let you out early, we're going to cash in today, okay? You ready for that? I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to be too long-winded. But sometimes I think we focus too much on what happened in this story that we forget who it happened to. And sometimes we, we miss the insights of seeing how people responded to the coming of Jesus. How were these people's lives impacted and changed? And, and what does that mean for us? How, how did their testimonies and their, their own ways of responding inform our way? of living. Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting, Keith Ledger in The Dark Knight, Robert De Niro in The Godfather Part 2, and Frank Sinatra in From Here to Eternity. All four of these men won awards for Best Supporting Actors in these roles. That means that they were not the lead actors for these movies, and yet I can't imagine any of these movies without these characters, although admittedly, I've never seen From Here to Eternity, but it's Frank Sinatra, come on. Nothing would be the same without him. Now, they may not have been the lead characters, but they were vital to the success of these films. And I think that there's probably a lot of great choices, but, but for me, I think Joseph is the one who wins the role for best supporting actor. Because in the same manner, without, without Joseph, this story just simply wouldn't be the same. I'll read again Matthew 1, 18 through 21. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother... Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. See, Joseph had no obligation or commitment to stay with Mary, and at first he had no intention to. Can we blame him? Would we have been as gentle as Joseph? This is a very different culture. A public divorce might have put Mary's life in jeopardy. Her supposed, supposed offense was punishable by death. And, and what's she supposed to tell the magistrate? The Holy Spirit did it. Were they going to believe that story? And truthfully, I believe with all my heart that God would have protected his son. But he did so through Joseph. It's hard to fault him for needing confirmation, but it was that dream that changed everything. 
changed his mind from divorce to ownership to adoption. See, Joseph was a Jew. It would be foolish for us to think that he didn't know his scripture, that he didn't know the prophecy, that foolish to believe that he didn't understand what he was committing to. So sometimes we, we understand that God chose Mary, but we forget that he also chose Joseph to be dad. And Joseph accepts that in the moment that he names baby Jesus because in naming the child, that was a, something that was reserved for the father alone. And so by giving this child the name Jesus, like he was told in the dream, Joseph was adopting him as his son. Yet in all the Bible, Joseph really isn't mentioned all that much. In fact, we have no idea what their relationship was like, only the context of Jesus' perfection and his obedience to honor his father and mother. It is Mary who takes the lead in this story. She takes the spotlight, and rightfully so. But let us not forget that Jesus was a carpenter, just like his father. And that means that as Jesus got older, it was Joseph that would work at his side, Joseph that would teach him this skill, Joseph who took him in and loved him, even though it wasn't his son. Which leads us to the first point which is also quote by Harry S. Truman. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. I'll read that one more time. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. At my first run at putting the wording together for this point, I was so close to this quote that, that I just decided to use the quote and I wanted to give the author credit Although I did think to myself, considering the context of this quote, that if Mr. Truman was upset with me for not giving him credit, then he was a hypocrite. But I felt like this this quote really sums up the life of Joseph perfectly. A man who cared more about doing the right thing than he cared for glory. A man who cared more about doing the right thing even if it meant bearing shame. He knew that there would be controversy, but he stood as a barrier between the world and Mary and happily took his role in the background of the nativity. There's a lot of theories about what started this tradition of gift giving that we enjoy during this season. Was it a monk named Nicholas in 280 AD who was known for his kindness? Was it the wise men that brought gold and frankincense and myrrh like the kids reminded us? Was it God who gave Jesus the greatest gift in sending his son? You know, most of us, we don't think about Joseph when we think about gifts given, but think about this. Joseph was willing to take a back seat and surrender his plans for God's plan. He was willing to give love to a child that wasn't his. And for Joseph, it wasn't about being remembered as Jesus' father. It was about supporting and believing in his son's mission. It was about the faith of believing and trusting God's seemingly insane plan because it is kind of insane. But what is it for us? What is it for you? What's motivating you this season? When you give in this season, why do you give? Are there times where you give out of guilt or obligation? That's why I give when I walk out of Walmart and those guys are ringing the bell. I don't want to be the guy that walks by and says, no thanks. What about out of selfishness? selfishness? 
to be able to hold your kindness over others like they owe you, all the while hoping that your philanthropy boosts how you're perceived by others? Or do we simply wish and desire to do the right thing, the kind thing, regardless of whether or not anybody finds out what we've done? I want to read Matthew 6, 1 through 4. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites in the synagogues do and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees you in secret will reward you. A couple months ago, I was at Walmart and it, it was just kind of that time where it just feels like the, the weight of how expensive stuff was, was kind of just really bearing down. And there was a lady in front of me and, and she was getting her groceries and I started, you know, I got the little barrier thing and I'm starting to put mine on there and I just thought I would be nice and joke with her and I said, man, I'm not sure I can afford all this. And just kind of messing around and I was doing it to be funny but she gave me this look like, yeah, I, I, I really don't know if I'm gonna be able to afford this. And I was like, oh, my heart's broken, right? So I, I just felt compelled to, to buy this lady's groceries for her, and I wanted to do it in a way where it wasn't going to draw attention to me, so I'm trying to be as sneaky as possible, and I, she like went over around the cart to get into her purse, and I was like, this is my chance. So I'm like, I look at the cashier, and I lock eyes, and I'm like, cashier, I got the groceries, I'm going to pay. Don't let her pay. I got it. Just get her out of here. Don't tell her it was me. I'm like trying to be super secretive, right? So finally, this lady, everything's good. She's ready to check out. And the cashier says, uh, ma'am, somebody has paid for your groceries. And she's like, what? Why, why, would, why would somebody do this? Who, who did this? And the cashier looks right at me. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? I told you not to say anything. If you look at me now, she knows it's me. And then even worse, the lady like in the line next to us, she's like, she comes up to me afterwards and she's like, oh my goodness, that was the sweetest thing. You really blessed me today. And I'm like, I was trying to avoid all this. I did not want this to happen. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, pastor, it seems kind of contradictory recounting your own kindness today and, and all of us. See, but that's the point. It's all about the why. It's all about the heart. Am I telling you this, hoping that you'll see me differently because I bought some lady some chocolate milk? Or am I trying to help you understand? See, see the important thing is for us to, to, to lean and follow our convictions so that we don't miss opportunities to show kindness for no other reason than it's the right thing to do. See, this scripture right here, it's not telling us, hey, you should deceive yourselves or, or be secretive, and if you can't be, then, then don't be kind at all. No, it's encouraging us to check our motivation. It's reminding us that, that most kindness we can do without drawing attention to ourselves. 
What happened to me in that store is not marred in failure because I was found out because my my left hand caught a glimpse of what my right hand was doing. See, no, God's warning us not to become people who are only generous when others are looking, not to become people who are only generous when it benefits us. I mean, do you think St. Nick was generous because he was hoping that he would be immortalized and turned into a cultural icon? I don't think so. Or was he simply wanting to bring hope to those who had lost it? Regardless of what you believe, this this season is defined by joy and and kindness and generosity. And, And can I be honest this morning? Sometimes that's the reason why I despise this time of year. Because kindness and generosity given under pretense can feel disingenuous. See, gifts are one of my love languages, but it's not just any gift that's given to me. The the gift that means the most to me is the gift that says, hey, I was out and about and I saw this and I thought of you. And so I got it for you. See, unlike Christmas and, and holidays like Valentine's Day, which can feel obligatory and lack heart, that just doesn't mean a whole lot to me. At least that's what I tell myself, because if I'm brutally honest, holidays can be a reminder of the things that I should have been doing the whole time. See, the other reason I despise these types of holidays is because they can become so consumer-focused. If I see another ad for buying iPhones, I'm going to throw my shoe at the TV. If we learn anything from Joseph, it's that gifts are not the only thing that we can give. And we don't give to earn favor. We simply give as a reflection of how we feel, a reflection of a God that we serve. You know, it's not about preparing something special in just a season or in a moment. But I think that this this season really should be about preparing ourselves to be the gift Maybe the greatest gift that we can give our families this year is a promise to be more kind, more patient, more loving, more gentle. A a promise to be and live more intentionally, not for the glory, but simply because it's the right thing. We move to the next piece. Joseph adopted Jesus. Jesus adopted us, and so we would adopt others. For you type A's out there, I wanted to make sure that you were uh, able to fill in those blanks, but I'm going to skip this point. If you want to, as homework, you can look at these scriptures and these verses, and you can try to guess at what I might have said. (laughs) But post-writing this outline, I felt like God led me somewhere else to point out a couple things in this story that I don't want you to miss. And the first is this, God's word has the power to change hearts. God's word has the power to change hearts. You know, I'm reading through the scriptures about about Joseph this week, and and I was struck by his turning point. Here he's about to divorce Mary, but then he has this dream. and, And all it took was this dream to change his resolve from divorce to marriage. It was something that I contemplated all week until I realized what the dream was. The dream was a little literal representation of a verse that I have tattooed on my body. Abide in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will do what? The truth will set you free. See, it would be short-sighted to think that, that Joseph's change was based solely on seeing an angel in his dream. 
It wasn't about the experience. It was about what the angel brought him. The angel delivered to him the word of God, a word that pointed to the Messiah, the hope of his people, the hope of the world, a word that gave him courage to do what was right, to do what God had called him to do. And I don't know if it's a man thing, but I love solving problems. It makes me feel good. Any, any other guys in here, when you solve problems, it just makes you feel good. It makes me feel like I accomplished something. You know, deeper than that, it speaks against a narrative that I wrestle with believing about myself that I am and always will be worthless. So if I can build my son a stool or, or build my wife some shelves, then that can't be true, right? The problem is that those good feelings fade over time. And the lives that, that I believe about myself can only be undone by the repetition of God's word. The best way to stop a bad habit, <laughs> replace it with a good one. Does it happen immediate? No. But the repetition of a good habit eventually will take precedence in your life. It's like learning to speak a compliment when you're tempted to gossip or maybe start chewing gum instead of smoking. I don't know what it is. But we've got to understand that that which has been cemented in us by living in this world can only be undone by resting in the presence of God, resting in the one who whispers that truth to us. I love you. I'm proud of you. I don't care what's happened to you. You're mine. We have to rest in that. And I got to be honest, I, th I think that's the only truth that has the power to bring us freedom, lasting freedom. And I don't pretend to know what you're facing. It, it could be the threat of divorce. It could be financial ruin. It could be crippling anxiety. It can be constant pain, maybe even depression. And I'm not going to pretend like the word of God is going to save you from bad circumstances. But I can tell you this, the word of God can give you understanding and the word of God can connect you to hope. And I only know this because in the darkest moments of my my life, it was God's word that brought me hope and freedom. It was Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8 that reminded me in the desert that it won't last forever. It was Psalm 139 that reminded me that I was beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made. It was John 10, 11 that reminded me how radical Jesus' love is for me. It was Joshua 1, 9 that reminded me that I'm not alone. It was Jeremiah 29, 11 that, that reminded me, just like it reminded Joseph, that God has a plan, and that plan is to prosper and give us hope. But maybe more than anything this season, what you need is to rest in the Word of God. Because it's God's word that reminds us of the promise. It's God's word that tells us the story of the coming of Jesus. And without that, there is no hope. The last is this. Celebrities drive me a little bit nuts. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never really understood why people listen to them, mostly because they live very different lives than us. Most of them have no idea what it's like to be normal. The other thing that drives me nuts is that they're often not held by the same standards that, that we are. It seems like it's very rare that they get punished like the rest of the world. It, that They can get, a, get away with a lot more than we can, all communicating to us that the world values you if you have money or fame. 
See, this is what I love about the story of Joseph because here we have a humble carpenter that is used to be a part of the Messiah story. He was chosen to be the father, not because of money, not because of fame, because he was willing. And even though Joseph wasn't a main character, he was still important. And what's powerful about that is that that's our story. The same is true of you. The hardest, most humbling thing to realize in our lives is, is that God is not a character in our story. We are characters in his story. But the powerful thing about that is that what you can do and who you are matters because of him. See, God's not asking you to be or do anything that you're not able to do with his help. And, and maybe you're thinking, oh, I, I, I feel like, whoop-de-doo, Pastor Will can get up and speak, but I, I can't change lives. It's not my ability that makes me special, it's my willingness. And see, we have an enemy that would love to tell you that, that you can't do anything for the kingdom of God, that you're not important, that you don't matter. Man, what a lie that is. That's the point of this season, guys. The point of Jesus coming, that who you've been, that, that what's been done to you, it doesn't matter anymore. The only thing that matters is whether or not you're willing. I'm going to invite the band back up, and they're going to sing us out. I just want to end with asking you this question in this season. Regardless of your talent, regardless of your story, regardless of what's happened to you, are you willing to step out in faith? Are you willing to step out in love and be just like Joseph and love? Even the people that aren't your people, even the children that aren't your children, are you willing this season to say, you know what, it doesn't matter if I get the spotlight. It doesn't matter if I'm the main character in the nativity. None of that matters. What matters is what God can do through my life. So in this season, throughout the way that you live, how can God use you? Regardless of whether or not anybody ever sees it, how can your left hand impact the world in a positive way without your right hand ever knowing about it. That's the challenge for us, to be like Joseph. I don't know where you are today, and I know we're probably stretched on time, but that's okay. We're gonna take it just a little bit and sing, and the altars are always open. This side, if you wanna pray on your own, and this side, if you would like somebody to pray with you. And sometimes we, we don't come to the altar because of something from the message. Sometimes we come because we just need an opportunity to come before the Lord in prayer about what's going on in our lives. So don't miss that opportunity today.